0: Ephesians chapter 5 again. Ephesians chapter 5. And again, this is the practical area of Paul's letter to those at Ephesus, to the believers in Asia Minor. And he's, last week we looked at, he's encouraging us to put off the old man and put on the new man and and in chapter 5 he continues and he says i want you to be imitators of god and and to walk in love and he spells out that means you wouldn't be walking like this <clears throat> but you'd be walking in the light <clears throat> and then he wraps up this passage by Saying in verse 14, therefore, in light of this fact that we are followers of Christ, in light of the fact that we are to be imitators of Christ, he then says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. When I was about 8, nine, ten years old, somewhere in there, uh, when I went to bed um, I know one of my brothers maybe some of the others were at the neighbor's house and in the middle of the night about 1.30 I got up and I must have been dreaming or something but I, I went sleepwalking to the neighbor's house and it, it was a it was from here to the to the highway, or Albia Road at least, through um, grass, damp grass, <coughs> and and some of you will remember those screen doors that had springs on them, you know. And you and I went out that door, and it slammed shut. I don't remember that at all. But my mom said to my dad, someone's either coming or going. <laughs> and he got up and he saw that he looked out and he saw I was at the back door of the neighbor's house, 1.30 in the morning, and I'm, I knocked on the door. And when I knocked on the door, I kind of came awake. And, and someone happened to be up. And I, I said, Dave is supposed to come home. That's my brother, Dave. And they said, he went home a long time ago. And that's when my dad grabbed me and took me back home and put me in bed. But you know what? The next night when I went to bed... I was scared because I didn't know. I walked through dewy grass. I remember going back. My feet were It didn't wake me up. I walked all that way, did all that in sleep mode. And, and so I said to my parents, I said, what will prevent this from happening? Well, we're going to lock the doors, but... The doors were locked before. We're going to put a, brace a chair under the door, handle, okay. Um, Basically make an obstacle course. Because they didn't want it to happen, needless to say. I mean, who knows where I would have gone. And so for some time, when I'd go to bed, I'd be pretty nervous about, What's going to happen? Um, thankfully, eventually, I got over that. Okay, I, I did for a number of years talk in my sleep. Um, <laughs> we won't go there. Okay, <laughs> but it's amazing what you can do in your sleep. And Paul had a a real burden. And concerned that the believers were sleepwalking through life. In their Christian life, that they were that they were asleep. Um, some will say you read commentators on this verse, and some will say this is to the unconverted, um, others will say it's to the believers. One, I say it's to believers, an unconverted man cannot awaken himself, okay? Also, it's a letter written to believers. And in other passages, we find Paul saying the same thing. That um, he said in, in Romans 13, when we went through the study of Romans, he said it is high time to awake from our sleep. The night is far spent; the day is at hand. Um, he he wrote in First Corinthians fifteen, an, another exhortation to wake up and and realize that. So he had a burden. He also wrote to Timothy in in essence, in urging him to urge the followers of Christ to wake up. Why? Because it's easy for us to to get in this. Sleep mode, so to speak, and and by that we mean an unconsciousness of one's own state, uh, a carelessness of what's going on around us. It's easy to get where we take things for granted in our spiritual relationship. Um, and it's easy for us to develop a heartless manner of everything that's going on around us. And Paul is coming along and he's, he's giving us a wake-up call. He's, he's been teaching the doctrines. He's making the application. And, and it's like he says, wake up now. Get up and, and get busy doing this. Do you understand what's going on? So we ask ourselves, what causes sleep spiritually? What causes we as believers to, to be unconscious of what's going on around us, to, to kind of go through life with a heartless manner, um a sense of Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Um, what causes that? Well, I just want to list a few things here. Number one, it may be just pride. That won't happen to me. I won't I won't I won't let that happen to me. I mean, I I'm on top of things. I'm not gonna fall asleep. I'm not going to let myself grow into this state of not being aware, just kind of going through the motions. My heart separated from the rest of me. Um, that won't that won't happen to me. I'm not going to let that happen. Peter is a example of that. That won't happen to me, Lord. And it's easy for our pride to neglect the. The First Corinthians 10.12 Let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. We, we must acknowledge, God, it's very real that I can fall asleep spiritually and it's very real that I may be asleep even now. Not aware of what's really going on around me. Secondly, Our evil nature, our old nature is prone to neglect or fall asleep regarding eternal things. It's easy for us as believers to fall into this. I have Jesus Christ. I'm set for eternity. And let me live my life now. And we neglect eternal things. And... That's we're prone that way we're prone to focus on this and and so as we do we end up slumbering our way through life and and to these again Paul would be saying wait a minute wake up everything you see is going to be gone that's what which really matters is that which is eternal. But we are prone to live in the here and now. We are prone to live for what we see. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. And because of that, we're prone then to, to slumber our way through life. Thirdly, we, we kind of fall into a slumbering mode Because of the wickedness in us and the wickedness around us. When we first hear of some terrible sin, it's like, whoa, and, and we shrink back in disgust and horror. But as we're exposed to it repeatedly, it becomes commonplace and just a way of life. I mean, honestly, it's ju- things that are just a way of life today, even 20 years ago, people looked at in and, whoa, but today it's just a way of life. It's, that's just the way it is. And, and so, you've all heard the analogy of the frog in the kettle, and it sits in the kettle and the heat goes up and up and up. But because it's just incrementally, it doesn't see a need to jump out until it's too late, and and because we're surrounded by evil and it increases and increases, we get used to it. I can remember my dad quoting this. It was a little, a little. Poem or quip by Alexander Pope. He wasn't the Pope, that was his last name. He lived in the late 1600s and early 1700s. But he wrote this Vice is a monster of so frightful mien or appearance as to be hated needs but to be seen. Yet seen too often. Familiar with her face, we first endure, then pity, then embrace. We see evil, we endure it, we pity it, and then we embrace it. And and we fall into this slumbering mode that, that, well, that's just the way things are. The wickedness in us and around us. Um, Success or prosperity can cause us to sleep. In a spiritual slumbering. Why? Things are going well. I mean, why should I change anything? Honestly, one of the harder times to live by faith is when you're living in prosperity. Prosperity. And in America, we've been there. Why do people need God? Humanly speaking. And it's easy spiritually as a Christian. I mean, why should I really seek God? Things are going well. Oh, sure, things could be a little better. But, but we're having success. We have prosperity. It causes us to sleep. Another aspect that causes us to sleep is a lack of zeal. In Revelation chapter 2, he wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he says, this is what I have against you. You've lost your first love. In In essence, he's saying, you've slumbered here. You've fallen asleep. You've lost your first love. When you first came to me, you were so grateful for forgiveness You were so grateful that that I loved you. You were so grateful for my working in your life. But now it's taken for granted. And you've lost your first love. The lack of zeal. And he says, here's what you need to do. You You need to repent. Sixthly, ignorance causes us to fall into a slumbering mode. Ignorance, first of all, to the workings of God. If you study the Scriptures, you see how God works with nations. And God brings His revelation to people. He gives people the choice to make up their mind what they will do with the revelations. And then... God permits nations to go their own ways. In in fact, He says that in, in Acts chapter 14 and verse 16. He allows them to go their own way. Literally, it means He leaves them alone. They're given the revelation of God. They choose what they want to do with it. And if they choose they don't want it, then He leaves them alone to go their own way. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We've referred to this passage many times. Chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. And really, if you look throughout history, you will find there is a cycle of nations. No nation... In human history, has been faithful to the revelation of God. Now, think about that. No nation in human history has been faithful to the revelation of God. So, every nation throughout history has turned away from the revelation of God from Israel to Rome to Medo Persia, all all nations throughout all of history. As Americans, we have been given great revelation from God. But to realize, we have not been faithful to the revelation of God. And when God lets nations go, I I don't have the time to go through, but in Romans chapter 1, this is how God works. When God lets a nation go, you have, first of all, sexual revolution. You'll read that in these passages here. It it spells this out. Next, you will have a homosexual revolution. And lastly, he gives them over to a depraved mind. Insanity. You don't know whether you're a man or a woman. Now, where are we? Everybody here that's around my age has lived through the sexual revolution. We've seen the homosexual revolution. We are now living in an age of depraved minds. We don't even know what genders we are. We, we don't know clearly evident truths. We, we question all of those. And... We are currently in the last stages of when God lets a nation go. I mean, you look throughout all of history and you will see this is true. We're, we're slumbering if we think, well, you know, once we get through COVID, things will get back to normal. COVID is the least of the worries. COVID is another tool that's just being used. We need to wake up and realize according to the workings of God, this is where we are in the cycle of nations. We're often ignorant to the devices of Satan. Peter carried the same message of Paul when he said, I want you to be sober, be vigilant. In other words, wake up! Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is going about seeking whom he may devour. I mean, this is a spiritual warfare that we are in, individually, corporately, nationally, globally. And and we many times in Christianity, as in Paul's day, are just kind of going through life, not realizing there is an adversary that is out to get us. Amen. And we heard Brother Al said, "Here's a, a pastor they've been working with, and their home is breaking up. Satan wants to break up every home." And you think, "Ah, oh, that won't happen to me." Let him that thinks he stand take heed, lest he fall. But we we fail to understand. Satan has come to steal from me and you. Amen. He's come to kill you and me. He's come to destroy anything of God. He is our adversary. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. Do you wonder why there are so many lies going about in our world today? He's the prince of the power of the air. He hates God. He hates anything associated with God. That means he hates you. Why? You are made in the image of God. Every time he looks at a human being, he's reminded of God. And he hates that. He hates Israel because of what Israel did. Israel gave us... God, through Israel, gave Jesus Christ. He hates anyone that embraces Judeo-Christian teachings and ethics. I mean... He hates with the with eternal passion. And, and we need to understand this is where we are. When we lived in Montana at, at the camp on the Gallatin River, one, one summer during camp, uh, someone kidnapped an Olympian that was training for the Olympics, kidnapped right up in the neck of the woods where the camp was. Well, at the camp, we didn't act like, oh, everything's normal. There were people up all night long on guard at the camp. There was a sense of awareness. Why? Because there's an adversary out here. We we hum our way through life like nothing's going on. And Paul says, no, it's time that we awake. We are ignorant of the workings of God throughout history. We are ignorant of the devices of Satan. And we are ignorant of the times and the conditions in which we live. We are ignorant of the times in which we live. There is a Marxist coup taking place in our nation right now. This isn't just some little uprising. The Marxists throughout history, you go back and look in, throughout history, wherever they've gone, Cuba, Bulgaria, Poland, Hungary, Venezuela, they've all followed the same pattern. And if you paid attention at all, you're hearing people from Poland stand up that are in our nation saying, don't go this way. This is exactly what happened in Poland. They're doing the same thing here. Marxists will first, and we don't have time, but they will first guarantee that they can't lose power. That's why they introduced House File Number 1, which guarantees that no changes will be made to the voting systems and that everything will continue as it it is. Do you understand? Because nothing was done about the fraud of the last elections, there's never a guarantee that there'll be a free and fair election with integrity. Stalin said, I don't care who votes. I care who counts the vote. That's always been the Marxist philosophy. So they, they guarantee that they can't lose power. Then they silence the opposition, the cancel culture that we live in. They limit free speech. I have to hurry through these. They defund and abolish the police. You say, how dumb is that? How, how, how can a society ever exist? They truly believe that police are bad to the core. And, and they need completely demolished and destroyed. And they want to set up a federal bureau that they control that will dictate to everybody. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to us out here in the cheap seats of defunding, and it's not just defunding, it's abolishing. They, it, it has already passed the House, the Equality Act. And, and we received a, a letter from President Tillotson at Faith Baptist Bible College, and he said, The Equality Act has been described, among other things, as the most invasive threat to religious liberty ever proposed in America. It forbids discrimination on the basis of gender and sexual identity. It will force churches, schools, and other organizations to accept the government's stance on gender identity and sexual orientation. It will change the hiring practices of churches, Christian colleges, and Christian organizations. It will make private locker rooms and restrooms open and available to any gender, Men identifying as woman would be allowed in women's restrooms and so on. It will allow children to change their gender without the consent of their parents and so on. In in just last month, in Canada, Rob Howland, a British Columbia father, was jailed without bail since mid-March. His crime was refusing to be silenced about the sex change drugs the Canadian school system had been giving his then 14-year-old daughter without his knowledge and against his will. They put a gag order on him and said, you cannot talk about this. He said, I have to talk about it. He talked about it. He, on April 13th, less than two weeks ago, he was sentenced to six months in prison and $30,000 in fines for trying to intervene with his daughter. You say, this is conspiracy theorists, ideas. This, no, this is real life stuff. This is because Satan hates God and anything that is according to God's plan. Everything. I mean, it, it's going to go on and on. Climate change. That's just another thing to bring about the, the destruction of what has been a God-honoring nation. We were out at Glacier a couple years ago, and they had signs up. Scientists have, have predicted that by 2020, there will be no glaciers left in Glacier National Park. Well, you know what they're doing this year? They're taking down the signs because the glaciers are there. They said 20 years ago that, that the, by 2020, the coastline in Florida would rise two feet. It hasn't. They're, they're continually filling us with all these fear-mongering things. Bruce Waltke, who is a 90-year-old outstanding student of the Old Testament said a few weeks ago, it seems to me the church is heading into persecution and we need to be nerved for that persecution. I have lived long enough to see American culture turned on its head. I'm I'm just... I'm just skipping a stone across. If, if we went in and dove into this human trafficking and all these things, to, to think, oh, it's, if, if we get the right people elected, if, if we solve this COVID, things will go back to normal. It's not going to go back to the normal you knew. And we need to wake up and say, okay, what am I supposed to do about it? The good news is, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The key is in Jesus Christ. We need to be putting on Jesus Christ. And He promises, I'll give you light. Regardless of how dark it will be, I will give you light. We we often quote and and this last week we were talking about this in Isaiah chapter forty one. I invite you to turn there. Isaiah chapter forty one and verse ten. We often quote verse ten. But this last week Andrew said, But look at the promise that's in verse thirteen. But notice verse ten, and I want to read verse ten through thirteen. Fear not. Okay, man, all this stuff bad. And honestly, I, as I said, I haven't even scratched the surface, the, the bad stuff. All this bad stuff. Fear not. I am with you. I, be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying, Fear not, I will help you. Notice what he said, wake up, realize what's going on, and Christ will give you light. He says that in, in Ephesians 5. In Isaiah, he says, fear not, I am holding you with my right hand, and I will help you. Amen. It, it's, like, it's like you're going for a walk, and all of a sudden you hear this loud dog barking and, and you have your little child with you. And the child's on the side by the dog. And it immediately comes to the other side. You want him to, or her to. And you grab his hand or you pick him up to protect him. And this is the picture. God says, I have raised you up for such time as this. There is darkness around. But He says, fear not, I am with you. I will hold you with my right hand. I will give you light so that you need not stumble in the darkness. And those that were incensed against you, the day is going to come you will not find them. You notice the promises that he gives. So in Ephesians 5 he says, be imitators of God. Wake up. Things are not good. So, oh, what do I do? Do I run to the mountain and, and be a prepper? No. You live your life and you run close to God and you say, God, I have got to have you. We'll be, we'll be continuing on in this in the Sunday school hour. And if you're sleeping and sleepwalking after we dismiss from church, you'll sleepwalk right out of here and back into your slumber. that's the truth. I don't get it. And I'm not saying that to guilt you. That's just the way it is. But if we have a heart, man, if things are like they are, I better seek God. I better live for God. I better love the Word of God. You notice there's only two options. Follow Christ and walk in the light or don't follow Him and walk in the darkness and walk in fear. He said, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And, and we've spent the majority of time because it's a wake-up call. We've spent the majority of time in Sunday school. We'll talk more of what are we supposed to do. And the rest of the chapter, He goes into what we're supposed to do. Redeem the time because the days are evil. That's a wake-up call. Wow, the, the days are evil. See, and we need to wake up and learn from history. I saw a cartoon. It really wasn't a cartoon. It says, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yet those who do learn from history are doomed to stand by helplessly while everyone else repeats it. And that's kind of where it is in our world today today. But in God, we can be victorious. We sang that that first song. And I thought, man, this is soldiers of Christ arise or wake up and put your armor on, strong in the strength which God supplies through His eternal Son, strong in the Lord of hosts and in His mighty power who in the strength of Jesus' trust is more than conqueror. Stand then in His great might with all His strength endued and take to arm you for the fight the character of God that having all things done and all your conflicts past, ye may or come through Christ alone. That's the only way we overcome. So man, we ought to be running into Christ. No one should be have to say to us, have you been getting in the Word? Are you meditating in God's Word? Are you, are you joining together? For no one. We should be putting on His armor. Leave, notice this part, leave no unguarded place, no weakness of the soul. We ought to be cleansing, purifying. Take every virtue, every grace, and fortify the whole. From strength to strength go on. Wrestle and fight and pray. It's a battle. The Christian life is not a cruise ship. Hey, let's sit back and what's the entertainment tonight? No, it's a warship. It's a battle. Wrestle and fight and pray and tread all the powers of darkness down and win the well-fought day. God, I pray that You would awaken us to righteousness, to put on Jesus Christ. Lord, these feeble words are not going to accomplish it today from this vessel. It must be a working of Your Spirit. And God, I pray that You would minister mightily. I pray if there are individuals here who have never trusted You for the forgiveness of sin, Lord, I pray that they would come running to Christ running to You for forgiveness today. And then, Lord, I really do pray that You would awaken every one of us. Not to fear, but Lord, to the power of Your name, to the, the victory that You've called us to, and Lord, that we would awaken to the dangers, to the adversary, to the workings of You And, Lord, that then we would be prepared, that we wouldn't be caught off guard, that we would be faithful stewards of yours, faithful soldiers of yours. Lord, that our lamps would be lit, that we would be busy serving until you come. So, Lord, again, we pray that you would awaken us And that in Christ we would see the light, that we would walk in the light, and Lord, that your power would be seen, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.